Good morning. How y'all doing today? I'm glad you're here this morning. We have entered a new year. Whoever thought we'd have made 2020. This year, some resolutions have been made. Have you made some resolutions, anyone? All right. Uh, we're determined we're going to accomplish some things this year. Maybe we, we determine we're going to cut some things out of our lives this year. Uh, but we've made some resolutions. Uh, men, maybe you've, uh, you're a goal person. You know, you should do some goals and you put your goals to pen and paper. You should have. You got personal goals, relational goals, career goals. Uh, you, you have some things you want to accomplish as we go into this next year. Well, what will 2020 hold for us? What will this next year be like? Most of us, well, we're optimistic. We think, well, it's going to be a great year, or if nothing else, man, it's going to be better than last year. Right? We, we think there's, there's some good things coming. There are a few, however. I won't mention who you are. You know who you are. That uh, you just have a negative uh, idea and feeling. You have anxiety about coming year because you know if something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen to you. That's the way you think. Uh, they just know things. It reminds me of a, a guy who was 85 years old. He was a hypochondriac, spent his whole life telling people how he was sick. He had these symptoms and those symptoms and always complaining that he was sick. And, and as I said, he was 85 years old and he died. But before he died, he went and picked out his own tombstone. He had it engraved and at the graveside, the tombstone was unveiled and on it were words in capital letters. I told you I was sick. Now, I don't know specifically what this, what this year will hold for each of us, but here's one thing I do know. We're all going to face some opposition this year. No matter who you are, you're going to face opposition. The Ravens last night, they, <laughs> Right? Uh, well, yeah, everybody says we're going to whip this team, so we don't have to worry about that. Well, they faced a little bit of opposition, and it didn't go well for them. We're, we're going to face opposition, and here's why. We live in a wicked world. We, we, our world is just ungodly. I mean, just look around us. It doesn't take a, a brilliant person to realize that. We live in a, in a sin-filled world. We have a tremendous enemy in the devil who seeks to, as John chapter 10, verse 10 says, to kill and destroy us. We've got adversaries. We've got enemies. We've got people who oppose us and want to wreck and ruin our lives. We're all going to face some kind of adversity this year. We're all going to have some battles to fight. Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Psalm chapter 27, if you haven't turned there already. Psalm 27. David writes this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army, an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise up against me. In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, 
he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant, uh, excuse me, do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord." Here, David writes this psalm in a time of great adversity and opposition in his life. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to when that was. Some say it was uh, when he was on the run from Saul. Some say it was later on in life, maybe when uh, they said, you're too old, you can't go to war, or maybe uh, some other time uh, difficult in his life, maybe when he had to flee from Jerusalem as Absalom had tried to overthrow him. We don't know when it was written, but here's what we do know. He was facing opposition. He was facing some adversity and difficulties in his life. <coughs> Excuse me. It says in verse 2 and 3, he was being pursued by his enemies. In verse 5, he's in a time of trouble. In verse 12, he has adversaries. Rather, uh, We've all got folks in our lives that don't like us. Or if you don't, bless your heart. There's one or two people I know that don't like me. Don't raise your hand or say amen at this point. I know who you are too. We all have that. We have people that just for whatever reason don't like us and some go a lot farther. They have an acrid attitude towards us and they want to hurt us and destroy us and slander us and, and bring us down. We all have enemies in this life and, and David knew that. It appears from verse 4 that he didn't have access to the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, but getting away from God's house is very detrimental. Amen? We lose that connection. Over the years, most of us in this auditorium, we've gone through that. We've slipped. We've gotten away. We've stepped out. Uh, and many can attest to that. We, we've gotten out of church, and, and we will all recount, that was a bad time in my life. When I slipped away from God and his people and, and I felt like I was alone and I didn't have the support and the encouragement of my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and so he has this longing to be in God's house. Verse 10, he speaks of his father and mother forsaking him. And, and, and I don't know if that's a, a, a figurative thing where he's just saying, you know, it feels like my parents have turned against me or they, they're out of my life. Or, or it may be a literal thing that is, it was a time in his life when his parents had died and he's, he's lamenting that. Either way, it's horrible to feel alone and to feel left out. And, and that's maybe the way he felt at this time. He was the subject of slander in verse 12. We've all had things like that said about us. E even if they're not true, it still cuts like a knife, doesn't it? 
So what are we going to do as we face opposition this year? Because you're not immune to it. It's coming. We're all going to have difficulties. We're all going to have some opposition. We're all going to have some battles to fight this coming year. So the question is, what are we going to do? In this psalm, I see uh, some things that David shares with us that I believe can be a help for us as we face opposition in 2020. First of all, I will not be afraid. Don't be scared. Amen? I will not be afraid. Fear is a terrible thing. Fear can paralyze us. Many have said the reason they didn't react to a certain situation is they were frozen. They say, I literally could not move. Why? I was afraid. (coughs) Excuse me. Fear is very powerful. Fear can prevent us from saying the right thing or from speaking up against the wrong thing. Fear can cause us to be to, to refuse to take action, whether it's, again, to do the right thing or to, to uh, right or wrong. It, 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 can, it can cause us to be neutral and frozen and horrible in our life. David understood that, and he said, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to allow fear to dictate or dominate my life. I'm not going to be ruled by fear in my life. I will not be afraid. Fear can make us cower. Fear can make us run. Fear can make us hide and try to avoid that which scares us, thus giving the victory to our opposition. So David says, I will not be afraid. In the classic movie, The Secret Lights of Pets 2. (laughs) Yeah, I got a four-year-old granddaughter. What about it? We were watching that deep, profoundly deep movie. <laughs> and at the, the, towards the end of the movie, Max, Tiny Dog, says in relation to fear that he'd learned you can either run from it or you can run at it. <laughs> and, and that's what David said, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to have opposition that's going to come up against me, and I'm not going to cower. I'm not going to step aside. I'm not going to move back. I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to be afraid of the opposition. Listen to me. You're going to have some fights this year. You're going to have people rise up against you. You're going to have things that aren't going to go your way, and you're going to feel that you face a mighty army. And here's what David tells us. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear overcome you. Don't let fear overwhelm you, because if you do, fear will bury you. And you will lose the fight. You will lose the battle. Because God had given him his salvation. David said, I will not be afraid. He says, the Lord is my light. In, in, in verse, number, verse number one, I love that. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light. He says, the Lord is, is that comfort for him. Now, I don't know about you. I've told you this before, so it's okay. I'm scared of the dark. Everything in me, when it gets dark, I've got to fight that fear thing because I'm telling you, there's a boogeyman. (laughs) He's real. And I don't like the dark. And so I like light. And here's what I found. When I'm afraid and that light comes on or the sun comes up, woo! thank you so much. I'm about to die. Uh, 
Uh, When that sun comes up, the light comes on, it's like, whoo, I feel good now. And that's what David said. He said, the Lord is, well, he's my light. I don't have to be afraid. He's my salvation. David knew and understand that his spiritual life was bound up in who God was, not who he was. He had this light because he had salvation from the Lord. David wasn't trusting in his abilities, in his birth, in his lineage, or in the prophecy concerning his life and future generations. No, David was trusting in his salvation because he had a personal relationship with the living God. He placed his faith and trust in the Lord for salvation. He, like us, was a sinner. He failed. He had needs, and he had gone away from God, and he needed to be redeemed just like everyone else, and he knew that redemption could only come through God. You see, salvation comes from God to us. There's nothing we can do to get it. By faith, he believed in the sacrifice that God would provide, and he committed his life to the Lord. Because God had given him salvation, he said, and not only I will not be afraid, I will trust in the Lord in verse number three. Indeed, or rather, he says, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war rise against me. In this, I will be confident. I will, I will trust in him. Faith isn't just poured out from heaven. I would love that. For God just to open up my heart and pour in a ton of faith. But it doesn't work like that. The Word of God says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We must learn God's Word. We must absorb God's Word and read God's Word and know God's Word. And as we do, our faith will grow. Faith is based upon the truths of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. See, faith is based on knowing God, who he is, and what he can do. And because of that, I believe. I know him. I have a relationship with him. The more we know him and the more we know his word, the stronger our faith will become. David believed that God would protect him in face of great adversity in verse 5. Conceal him from trouble and protect him as he did when Saul hunted for him. He believed God would give him victory. That He said, I, I, my hope and my confidence is that God will give me victory. He had opposition. He had adversaries. But he said, I know that God is greater than my adversaries. And I know that God can give me the victory against anything that stands against me. In Psalm 56 and verse 11, David said, David said he placed his trust in the Lord. And then he said this, what can man, what can man do to me? Let's think about that for a minute. What can man do to you? They can scare you, they can talk bad about you. So, well, wait a minute. They can kill you. Yeah, and if you know Jesus, you go to heaven. What can man do to me, David said. They have no power. They have no ability. The only power my opposition has against me is the power I allow them to have. So it is with you. So David says, I will trust in the Lord. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 says this. He who is, greater, who, he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. We don't have to fear when we belong to and follow God. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 37, like this, declares we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I don't know about you, but I like to win. Amen? I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, Curtis Toll told me years ago, this is, he, he probably won't remember this because he's old. Um, <laughs> but years ago, I mean 30 years ago, long time ago, he said this. He said, you show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser. I like to, I like to win. Now you say, well, that's not that big a deal to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. We all like to win. And here's what the word of God says. You won. Here's why. Because he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again. And when you put your faith and trust in him, you win. You don't lose. You're an overcomer. You're, he's, he's greater than anything you will face because now he is in you. And faith overcomes fear. When I'm walking with God, when I'm walking in the spirit and the power of God, the word of God says, who can stand against me? I won't be afraid because God will be with me. He'll give me the strength that I need, not just to face the opposition, but to overcome the opposition. If you think about it, we shouldn't be afraid of the devil. He ought to be scared of us because of whose we are. See, that fight's over. It's been done. Victory's already been gained. A.W. Tozer said this, a Christian is a holy rebel let loose in a world with access to the throne of God so that Satan, should, uh, Satan never knows from which direction the danger will come. I like that. You see, we're warriors. We're warriors. Ephesians chapter 6 describes the the warrior armaments, the, the armor that we have. And we were talking about this last week in our staff meeting. The, the cool thing about that armor is just for the front. It doesn't cover the backside. And here's why. Because we move forward. We're soldiers. We're in the army. We don't give ground. We take ground. Not because of us but because who's in us. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And so we should be going forward, gaining spiritual ground in our lives, having spiritual victories in our life. In 2020, we shouldn't be losing, we should be winning. We should be gaining ground because of whose we are. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse four and five says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought and captivity into the obedience of Christ. You see, in Christ we have power. We have the ability to overcome, to face our opposition, to overcome our opposition, so we should take the fight to our opposition. We ought to gain some ground. We ought to see souls won and lives changed and victories in our own lives gained in our life. Here's why. Because of whose we are. We belong to him, and I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to trust in him, and I'm going to go forward for Christ. David said, I will not be afraid because I will seek the Lord. 
And there it is, I will seek the Lord. David understood the strength to overcome was not based on him. It was not based on who he was, his name, or his family. He knew that his abilities were limited. He knew the victory that would come in his life would become, come because of the one he lived for, the one he followed. Therefore, he had a passion for God. In verse number four, the word of God says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. That word desired means to ask or to beg, to implore a, I kind of, I got to, got to, got to have it mentality. He said, one thing I, I, I've got to have is that relationship with God. In Psalm 42 and verse 1, he wrote this, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. I've got to have you. I'm parched. I'm thirsty, and I've got to have you. I've got to have the life and the breath that only you can provide me. I, I don't just want a relationship with you. I have to have it. I have to know you. Knowing God and drawing close to God was not an option for David. You see, I, I've, got to, I've got to have it. It's absolutely essential in my life. He was driven to God, and he wanted to know him more. And he wasn't going to let anything stand in the way of his relationship with God. As Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 states about those, uh, those who had hunger and thirst, thirst for righteousness, that was David. I've got to have you, Lord. I've got to know you. He had to have it. David didn't go to church just because he felt obligated. David didn't go to church just because it was a habit for him. David didn't drag himself out of bed on uh, the church day and say, well, I guess we should go to church today. Some of you know what I'm talking about, don't you? That wasn't David. He didn't do that. He jumped out of bed. He hurriedly made his way to the house of God because he had a passion for God. He knew it was there. He was going to meet with God. He was going to learn of God, and he was going to meet with others of like faith, and he was going to be encouraged by them, or he was going to get an opportunity to encourage them. And so he said, I'm excited about it. I want my relationship with God to grow. I want to know him. I desire him. I've got to have him. So going to church wasn't an option. Now, do we seek God like that? Do we hunger and thirst for him like that? Do we look at the time we spend with him in his, in, in his word? Is that I've got to do this. This is my duty. This is my devotion. I've got, to, I've got to punch this clock in my life. Or do we view it as a time to say, you know, I, I get to do this. I get to learn of you. I get to... I, I get to, I want to, I need to. Do we have a passion to know him and to be known by him? You see, David wanted, he wanted to learn of God. Verse 11 says, teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me. I want to know you. I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. He provided a sacrifice for, uh, uh, for us through Christ. And the Bible says when we repent and accept Christ as our personal Savior, we're given eternal life. That's the starting point. That's where it begins. 
I'll never forget the night that I gave my life to Christ. Man, it was exciting. I had been in darkness. I was dead, and Christ saved me, and he opened my heart and opened my mind. And that night, that night I wanted to know everything there was to know about God. Are you with me? And here's what I realized. I didn't know anything. And so I started reading the Bible. I started going to church, every service, every opportunity. I started learning. And here's what I've learned then and now. The more I learn about him, the more there is to learn. He's just amazing. He, and so I've learned a lot. And so I just started learning. I wanted to know that night. And I wanted to learn. And David was like that. He said, God, I want you to instruct me. I want you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I want to learn who you are. And I want to learn what you have for me so that I can follow you. God has provided his word so that we can know him. He, he's given us this book so we can learn of him. So just let me say this, it's not rocket science. Can you read? If you can't read, they have audio Bible where you can listen to it. So read God's word. Well, I'm not growing spiritually like I should because the preacher, oh, he's just not that good. Well, that may be true. But the fact of the matter is you ain't grown spiritually because you're making zero effort. Read your Bible. When? Any chance you have. Every day you should be in the book. Here's, here's why. Just keep us honest. You say, who knows what we could tell you? But if you know the Bible, then you'll know what we're saying is true or not. So read your Bible, study it, know it, absorb it, in, 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 take in God's word. It's what you need. As you do, you'll begin to cultivate that relationship with God. But also something else I want to share in that, and that's this. Here at Faith Baptist Church, we've got a lot of tools to help you grow spiritually. Do you know, I, some of you, you need to write this down because some of you may not know this. Do you realize we have more services than just this one? You're kidding me. Really? Yeah. You see, just an hour ago, we met for faith groups. <laughs> really? You mean I could have come an hour earlier and, and, and had a lesson from the Word of God in addition to this? <laughs> yeah. So do it next week. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., we have faith groups. They teach the Word of God. Every Sunday, right here, Brother Robbie's going to begin a series of messages next Sunday at 11 o'clock. Life on Mission. On Wednesday, Wednesday nights. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know about your week, but on Wednesday, some of y'all need to be in church. No, no. Let me back up. All of y'all need to be in church. Here's why. Because Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday may be a little rough. We may be in that war and kind of one-eyed. You know what I'm saying? We, we got roughed up a little bit. We're going to need to be in church on Wednesday nights. We've got a missionary that's going to share his passion and his burden, I think, for Paraguay uh, this coming Wednesday. And then the last two Wednesday nights of this uh, Wednesday nights, I'm going to be finishing a series I started last week uh, under construction. So come on Wednesday night. Get a discipleship group, a community. You have opportunities through our church to help you grow, to help you connect with God and learn and grow, grow in him. And that's what David said. I've got a passion for God. I want to seek him. I want to know him. He, he didn't want to just know God, but he, David wanted to follow God. He wanted to be who God wanted him to be.
David did just want to know him intellectually. He wanted to have God personally guide his life so that he knew his steps would be of the Lord. David was smart enough to know this, that if he had lived his life his way, it would be a mess. I'm going to tell you, some people here today, that's where you're at. Even though you're here today, you're living life your way. And that's why you're a mess, or maybe that's why you're in a mess. And David didn't want that. He said, God, I want to live my life your way. It's time to stop doing things our way and start doing things God's way. And then as I seek the Lord, I will praise the Lord. In verse number six, David writes this. And, and, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. And I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Praise is a natural result of knowing and seeking God. Let me say that again. Praise is the natural result of knowing and seeking God. You see, when we know God and we're seeking him, we can't help but praise him. It's just a natural result. David says, when I consider you heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, of the, uh, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? In Psalm, verse eight. Psalm 8, verse 3 through 4. And then he answers that thought in this. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And I love that word excellent because it means Majestic. And not just majestic, but it means majestic one. How majestic, how awesome, how wonderful is our God. And when we think of him being the holy, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God, then we consider that he sent his own son to this world to die for sinners like you and me. How can we not praise him? How can we not worship him? The more we know him, the more we'll praise him. Check out two things in verse number six. I love this. Verse six, he says, uh, now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I'll offer sacrifices of joy in, the, in his presence, and I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. He said, I would offer sacrifices of joy. And, and that, that word means a shout or blast of joy. A shout or a blast of joy. I love 2 Samuel chapter 6 when the, the uh, ark is brought back uh, to Israel and, and it's going to uh, Jerusalem. David jumped and twirled and he danced because he was full of joy for the ark was coming back to Jerusalem. Joy is not just being happy. It's being overcome with emotion of praise for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's a deep down confidence and pleasure in knowing God, who he is, and that he knows knows me. It's joy. It just bubbles up inside of us and overflows from us. And it, it, it pours itself out with joy and praise and shouts. It's knowing something this world does not know. So let me say this. It's, it's okay to get excited for the Lord. I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. Tonight, uh, about, starting about 445, I'm going to be a little excited. I'm, I'm going to be doing some shouting. 
I'm going to shout for some team, and I'm going to shout against some team. Down Seahawks. I'm going I'm to get excited about a stupid football game that's not going to affect my life one bit. How much more? How much more should I be excited and praise about the one who saved me and who's changing me and who empowers me and who blesses me and protects me? Man, we ought to be shouting the praises of God. We ought to be excited about who he is. You see, he had joy. The second thing I notice is this. He sang. Oh, yeah. Do you realize when David went to church, he didn't do this? He didn't keep his mouth shut. He, he didn't refuse to sing. He, he, he participated. He sang. David didn't sit there criticizing the style of music. The choice of the songs, so they really didn't go with the sermon. Or maybe he didn't critique the worship team and say, you know, they really, they really played that in the wrong key. See, I can't do that because I don't know if there is another key than the key we sing. I don't know. Or, or maybe they messed up some words. Well, their, their timing was a little off. They were out of sync. David didn't do that. You know why? Because he had joy and he was praising God, not critiquing the band. He sang. He didn't keep his mouth shut. He didn't use lame excuses like, I'm not a good singer, or I don't know those songs very well, or, or God knows my heart. You see, all those are just lame excuses for us not having the joy of the Lord because if we had the joy, we'd sing, even if you sing the wrong words. It's I, because you got joy. I'm so happy sometimes, I don't, I'm not even sure I say words. It's okay. Sing, praise the Lord. That's where David was at. He just praised God. He praised God for his presence because he was in the presence of the Lord and the spirit was moving in his life and he was excited about it. He said, God's got a hold of me. He praised God for his provision. In verse 10, he said, you know what? God's gonna meet my needs. God's gonna bless me. God's gonna empower me. God's gonna give me what I need to overcome. And he said, how can I not praise him? When it appears all others had walked out of David's life, he said, one thing I know, the Lord is with me. I know that. And because of that, he'll never turn us back on me. I never have to doubt his loyalty. He loves me. And so he said, how else can I not praise him? So he praised the Lord. And as I praise, he says, I'll, I'll trust and be patient. I know these are great Bible truths. I just don't like them. I'll trust and be patient. He says, I would have lost heart unless I believed. It was tough. The opposition was there. Things had mounted up against me. And he said, if I didn't believe, I'd have folded. But he said, I believe. As David faced his calamities that he listed in this chapter, and there are many, he said, if I didn't have faith, I'd have lost heart. 
I'd have thrown the towel. I'd have quit. But because I, I believe, I will endure. Because sometimes that's all we've got, folks. I believe. I believe. So he said, I'm going to hold on to that. I'll not quit. I'll continue to follow him. I will continue to learn of him. I will continue to fight the good fight of faith because I believe. I, I just believe. One faithful follower of Christ once said, if I could find a good place to quit, I would. But there's no good place to quit when serving the Lord. So he said, I'm just going to, I'm going to believe. Don't quit. Just believe you're going to face some opposition this year. You're going to get roughed up. And maybe it'll come from places and people you just really didn't believe. And it's going to be tough. Maybe for you it's going to be tough. But you just believe. You see, lean on the Lord. Lean on one another. Draw your strength from God. Stand together in faith and then wait on the Lord. Wait means to look to look with for the, excuse me, faith means to look with hope and anticipation. That's what he says, I will wait on the Lord. In verse uh, 14, wait on the Lord. I, I like to view that waiting as those racehorses when they get loaded and they're at the gate. And they're putting their feet but they're waiting. Now, as soon as that gate opens, they're going to bound out of there. But they got to wait. Now, here's what I, I want to throw this in for us as followers of Christ. It's important. This wait thing is important. I want us to go into battle. I want us to charge. I want us to win. But, but we better be sure that the gate's open. You see, I've charged in some spiritual battles. I had all the vim and vigor there was. The only thing is I didn't have God's direction or his power, and I got whipped soundly. So we got to wait for God to say, go get them. And then we can launch. We can go. We've got to wait. You see, our strength is in the Lord. Sometimes we need courage to wait rather than to react. As we wait, we'll learn of him and we'll trust him and we'll grow in him and we'll strength, be strengthened in him. As we wait on him, he will give us all we need when we need it. Oh, there's going to be some opposition for us this coming year. I like what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said, there are far better things ahead than anything we leave behind going to be tough when that's a musician, but here's, I'm telling you, there's some great things ahead for us. We need not fear, but have faith. We need to trust the Lord. We need to praise him. We need to wait on him and, and he'll carry us through. You're going to face some opposition. What will you do with it? Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for its conviction and challenge in my life. Now, Lord, I pray that you, your spirit will move amongst us this morning. 
that you'll touch us. And that, Father, each of us will respond as you speak. In Jesus' name I pray with every head bowed and eye closed. The things that I've shared with you today, they're great promises. But I want you to know this, they're, they're promises that only apply to believers. To those who've taken that step of faith, they've repented of their sin and given their life to Christ. See, we're the only ones that can have confidence in that. So I'm gonna ask you though, a very pointed question this morning, it's simply this. If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? Listen, are you absolutely sure if you would draw your last breath right now that you'd go to heaven? If you're not sure of that, then here's what I want you to do. I just want you to lift your head up and look at me. That's all I want. Just look at me. If you're not sure, then you just look at me. You see, that is a dangerous place to be in, and it doesn't have to be that because God said he's given us those things that can give us that absolute hope, that we can be absolutely sure and certain of our eternal destiny. So here's what I want you to do. If you're looking at me, we have people right over here. Look right over here. We have people waiting to share with you and show you from God's Word how you can be absolutely sure of that. So if you want to be sure today, if you want to take that step of faith, then you just step out from where you're at and you make your way over to this area right over here. They want to share the truth of God's word with you so you take that step. But Christian, let me ask you something. What about you? Where are you at today? Where are you at in your walk with God? How are you going to face the opposition this year? Maybe God has spoken to you today. We want to open up this invitation for Christians to come forward, for those who are looking for hope, answers to the eternal question to make their way over here. As God's spoken, you come. Thank you very much.